You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. So today we finish the Christmas season with a, a feast that seems, you know, at first glance to be kind of out of place. You know, Christmas is the great celebration of the Incarnation. And all the feasts that follow in the season are very similar in their nature. The Holy Family and Mary, Mother of God. And then with the great Feast of the Epiphany, just last week, uh, all taking place kind of in the infancy narratives, we could say. But now we finish the season with a great jump forward to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, So what is the kind of reason for this feast taking place at the end of the season, so close uh, to the incarnation. Part of it's practical. I think we, we don't know the hidden years of Christ, so there's only so much we can celebrate and read about and, and contemplate. But I think there's also a beautiful play taking place between these two great feasts. So in the birth of Christ, in the incarnation, we see God revealing himself in his human nature. Uh, it's God coming among us as a man. And, and there's something great and mysterious going on there. You know, there's signs that he's something more as the angels announce that he's the Messiah to the shepherds and the star leads the Magi to Bethlehem. So there's obviously something going on here, but, but it's not clear yet quite what is happening. So in the end, at that moment, it's, it's the birth of, of a child. But then the baptism is kind of the other end of that spectrum. It's Jesus as a man revealing himself as God, reveals his divinity, or at least begins to for us in the baptism. And we see, actually see in the baptism one of the clearest Trinitarian signs in the whole scripture, one of the clearest revelations of the Holy Trinity that we see in all of our scriptures. We see Christ rising up from the waters and the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And it says in bodily form. You know, what does that mean? That's, there's something, there's a great mystery there. Whatever the bodily form of, of the Holy Spirit looked like, it, the best they can describe it is in the, looks something like a dove. And then the Father's voice coming out and announcing him as his son. We know as Christians that Christ came among us to die for us. That was his mission from the very beginning. He always, he always talks, in the, especially in the Gospel of Luke, how Jesus sets his face like flint toward Jerusalem. That, there's, that he's, he's got a single mission in his life, and that's to, to die for our sins and so bring us back to the Father. And, and we see that every event in his life, in a sense, points towards that great event um, from beginning to end. And, and in the Epiphany, we see this kind of mysterious, uh, the gifts are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And myrrh is a, is a sort of perfume that you use at funerals, you know, to perfume bodies. It's kind of an ancient form of embalment, embalming. So it, it'd be like someone coming to your baby shower and giving like a Amazon do-it-yourself embalming kit to you at your kid's baby shower. Like there's something, that's not the most exciting gift you've ever 
received. And, but there's something going on. There's something that those, that those magi see that somehow his death has something very important to do with his life uh, from the very beginning. And the baptism has always been seen from the very beginning as a sort of kind of harbinger of the cross. It's kind of Jesus announcing what he will be doing for us on the cross. The two events are very tied together. You know, as Christ goes down into the waters, it's a symbol of him going down into death. It's the sign of Jonah that he talks about. Jonah entering into the belly of the whale uh, before being able to come back up and actually do the will of God. So it foreshadows this kind of journey into the abyss of death. And then, and then we see the cross recalling the baptism when St. Longinus plunges his spear into the side of Christ and out comes blood and water. You know, the blood symbolizing the Holy Eucharist, which is the, the very body and blood of Christ given up for us. And then the water symbolizing our holy baptism, which makes us, which gives us, through its grace, all of the gifts of Christ's sonship. So, we see those two kind of life-giving sacraments on the cross. I just returned, I just returned this last week from SEEK, which is a conference for young adults and college students mostly. I went there with Father Mark Lenneman, who's up at Carroll College, and we took 16 of our college students from around our whole diocese because uh, we'd heard a lot of good things about this conference and wanted to go see what it was all about. And I was just blown away by the zeal and the authenticity uh, and, the, and just the faith of you know, 17,000 college students at this conference. is incredible. And I had the, it, was, it was great. We processed in with 450 priests and it's like a half mile long procession. It was, it was nuts, but it was so fun to uh, and just an honor to be amongst so many of my priest brothers. And one of the things I loved about it was you, you get that many people together and you, it, you tend to kind of go lowest common denominator so you can get to everyone. But they just dug into all the hard issues. You know, you, they spoke into all the struggles that are going on in the church, all the struggles that are going on in the, in the culture. And they really had no fear in going about it. And... And it was a great source of renewal for me as a priest. And, and the reason that I mention all of it is that because the church is going through some serious struggles and, and we, and there's scandal and there's, uh, it's corruption and, but realize as, especially as a priest, no matter what we do, you know, in the institution of the church to try and destroy it, priests and bishops, that the Lord Especially in those times, which happen all throughout history, but especially in those times of struggle, the Lord renews the church with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That he's in charge and that it's not, it's not the priests and bishops, it's the Lord. And so he sends his Holy Spirit upon the church, especially in the form of young people, uh, to renew it. And, and then when we look at the church and if the struggles and if we're weighed down, the culture is drifting away in some ways. Uh, can be encouraged to see so many young people answering the call of Christ uh, in new and authentic ways, uh, and living countercultural lives. You know, it's, we have to live in a countercultural way in a way that we haven't 
before, at least in this country. And they're doing so with evident joy. A joy that I just don't see anywhere else in our culture. Jesus, in his baptism, gives us such a clear way forward in all of this. Uh, It's not an easy way forward. It involves a death. Uh, But in that death, in the very moment of that death, we're we're rising to new life uh, in the midst of it. You know, no one escapes this life without giving ourselves over totally to something. Uh, And so these young people realize, and I think many of us in the church are realizing that, we have to give ourselves over more fully to the Lord, uh, to something worthy of living. You know, I sat for hours in that conference hearing confessions. There were 17,000 kids. There's a lot of confessions. And they had brought the heart of St. John Vianney, which is incorrupt. We had the, heart, the relic of the heart of St. John Vianney uh, in the massive room where we were all hearing confessions. And that's just incredible because that he sat in the confessional for 16 hours a day, every day for 20, 30 years toward the end of his life. They had to build a train station into his town just so they could get it, the people into the town who wanted to go to confession with St. John Vianney. And so it was, it was very moving, but I was just reminded of those words in the gospel, that you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. Uh, when Jesus took on his human nature, and died on the cross and rose for us, something incredible happened. And that, and that is that everything that he had as the Son of God, that's his very nature, was to be the Son of God. That was his identity. There's nothing else we really need to know about Christ other than his identity as Son of God. And so, he took all that and gave it to us as a gift of grace. And so everything that Christ has by his nature, we have by grace. That we are sons and daughters of God. <clears throat> and so those young people went to confession to receive that grace, and they confess all the kind of brutal struggles of this generation, anxiety, the loneliness, they see everywhere, the depression, and this general feeling that they seem to have of just feeling unworthy of love. That Christ overwhelmed that with his grace. Uh, and, and, the, and the call to holiness that we have in our church, that universal call to holiness, was so clear uh, in the midst of all of that. Uh, something, there's always renewal whenever, whenever we kind of realize our brokenness. And so when we look at how inadequate the world is in fulfilling all of our deep desire for love, and, and how inadequate everything in our life is, fulfilling that in, infinite desire, uh, why not give ourselves over to Christ and his church? So be encouraged, as I was encouraged, that there's at least 17,000 plus you know, pumped up young people who want to live their faith and, and who want to not leave the church, but renew the church uh, in beautiful ways. And they're going up on that high mountain, as Isaiah says in our first reading today, crying out at the top of their lungs, here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God. So God is moving powerfully in this time. I think we will see that more and more as we move forward, uh, just how powerfully he is moving in the midst of this great suffering. Uh, All love passes through the cross. That's how it's always been and that's how it always will be. 
Um, and so if we contemplate the Lord's baptism, his going down into the abyss and rising up, uh, we're always contemplating the cross when we contemplate the baptism of Christ. Uh, and we see so clearly God's love revealed and him renewing his church.